Welcome to an enlightened hour of interactive talk. This is Guided Spirit Conversations with host Marla Goldberg. In this program, we spotlight guests from all over the globe who have helped others change their lives and will provide you with the tips, tools, and techniques that you need to help make a difference in your own life. Now, here is Marla Goldberg. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you're all having a great Thursday. I know I am. And I'm so excited for today's show. It's because the topic is the power of intentions. And my guest today is Marav Richter. Marav is a best-selling author, inspirational speaker, two-time TED Talk TEDx speaker, poet, philosopher, comedian, performer, and a passion advocate for giving voice to the voiceless. Let's welcome Marav. Hi there. How are you? Hello, Marla. It's such a pleasure to be with you here again. I know. I'm so happy to get you back on and with this topic, too, because you're so passionate about so many things that you work on, but setting intentions. I mean, it's a new, it's a new year, and I'm not a resolution person myself. I'm an intention setter, and then I follow with goal setting to try to accomplish. How do you, what do you do? Oh, I love this question. And you're right, Marla. I'm not a resolution person in the traditional sense either. I call myself a gold digger. And not to be confused <laughs> with a gold digger, though nothing wrong with that, uh, whatever your intentions are. But I call myself a gold digger. I, G-O-A-L, I, folks. G-O-A-L. G-O-A-L. <laughs> exactly. But it's a great, uh, it's a great you know, party trick telling people, you know, what, what goals are you up to? I'm a gold digger. I love reverse engineering goals. And really, when we look at intentions, it really is intention is really your goals. Uh, Goals have a little bit of a, you know, sometimes in the spiritual community, they kind of get a a rough go of it. People say, well, I don't really want goals. Because when you set goals, you're, you're closing yourself off to what the universe may be providing for you, which may be even bigger and grander and more fit for you and more aligned with you than what your original goal was. Though for me, uh, I find I really work well with setting the intention and giving myself the direction with very specific goals that I'm reaching for. Some of those goals are even impossible goals that I'm working Give us some for. examples, please. Well, yeah, I'd love to give you some examples. And it actually goes into what we'll be talking about at the end. Um, but I do want to come back to the smaller goals. But one of my impossible goals is to create a huge initiative that's going to go international by 2030 that has children on the autism spectrum going and having an experience of going to the airport, getting themselves uh, a boarding pass, going through security, going onto the airplane and taxiing around the airport without ever and having all phases of a flight without ever leaving the ground. Now, I want to take that 2030, I want to take that international so that's, at this point, it's impossible. I mean, how, who do I know in all the different airports in the world to make this happen? Yet, knowing that that's by 2030 going international has me reverse engineer it to what can I do by 2025 and what can I do by 2024 and by 2022, by 2021, and of course, by 2020. And so it's the small steps now with the bigger intention for 2030 that has me take the steps that I need to take now uh, into that impossible goal. It's, it's, it's a great, and let's clear the word impossible. Let's say it is not impossible because you're going to achieve it, but it's a large goal. It's something that's down the road, but that can, that's achievable. Because it is achievable. It's something amazing. And I think you can do it. And I think for all of us, we all have these big ideas. And I say, bravo to you. Have the big ideas. But figure out a way to get to the big ideas. Mirage sharing with us that she's got a game plan that is going to get her to that 2030 goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Well, and I actually, so I was mentored for this by a great, brilliant philosopher and really uh, legend in the personal development and self-help community, Bob Proctor. And uh, this is one of his templates is really to work on impossible goal. And why, and I agree with you in a sense, why limit it to impossible? Because that could, 
I think they're possible goals. So that, but this is exactly it. So his perspective is that if we look at possible goals, then we actually have an element of knowing how we're going to get there. Whereas if we look at impossible goals and strive towards that, it almost takes the pressure off of actually like it's now we're just in imagination in, in the realm of imagination. It's, I mean, it's seemingly impossible. And, and so you set your impossible goal knowing fully well that you have not any idea of how you're going to get there. But as you reverse engineer it, then each goal and step that gets you there is a possible goal. Interesting. Yeah, it's sort of, um, yeah, I, I like these mind hacks and these plays in, in the subconscious mind because it takes the pressure. It's almost like you stop chasing those goals. You stop digging, right? Being a yeah. goal digger, you stop digging for those goals and just let them come to you because you're digging only for the possible goals. Interesting. But the impossible goals come by way of that. But if you limit it to only what we can do, what you can do. Yeah. See, and I think possible is an unlimited kind of a statement. It's not a possibilities. Yes. Yeah. So that's, yeah. it's, you know, and it's so interesting how it's sort of reversed in the way you're explaining it. Because, you know, normal logic says it's possible, but it's just, you know, a, something out there that we need to get. Right. Where impossible just seems so unreachable, so unattainable. So it's interesting, the exp- explanation. I, and I learned something new today. So we yeah. can teach an old dog a new trick. So <laughs> you, you know what? I, I love that, Marlon. I mean, that's really, we are all... Learning, learning and teaching at the same time. My favorite mentors and coaches, uh, I love no BS mentors and coaches. And I love flipping things on their heads. Uh, I love it when, I'm, uh, when I learn something new and gather some information and flip something on its head that makes me go, hmm. Because isn't that really the way that we imprint our subconscious mind? It is. It truly is. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I know I was telling you about I was I'm in the process of listening to The Answer by John Azraf and um, Marie Cooper. I think it's, that's his name. I apologize if it's not. Um, but it's talking about the conscious and the they call it the non-conscious rather than the subconscious or the unconscious and how the, un, the non-conscious is so much more powerful than your conscious. And it's 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 just something I'm I'm really grabbing a hold of that concept because it is because everything you know has to come through the ethers before it becomes the reality. A hundred percent. It's like ideas are just floating up there in the ethers, waiting for a recipient to pull them down. And if you're the one that pulls it down by making that connection, that's why they call it the law of attraction. You're the one who attracts that idea that's already out there. It's attracted to you. It's attracted to you because you've made a template and and a structure for it. It's attracted to you because you have created, you know, have, have voiced, even if it's in your own mind and, and that little voice that says, Oh, I don't know if I can do that, but I want to do that. And I'm looking forward to do that. And I can see myself doing that. I just don't know how today that now that little seed idea in the ethers has now been planted. Right. And if you give it water and you give it some sunlight and you give it, you know, all the things that it needs that can bloom. Exactly. And I just love that because it is like a plant, you know, and that's another analogy he had in, in the book about, you know, an acorn, you know, is that an oak tree? No. But there's a seed in the acorn that has the possibility of an oak tree. And if you take it and plant it, just like you said, and nurture it and give it all the nutrients it needs and, the, you know, all the elements it needs, it will grow into that oak tree. And I just love the fact that really it's an endless possibility, but we do need to raise our vibes to be able to meet the vibration of the, what, we, what we're attracting to us. And that's, I think, a very important piece to it as well. Yeah, I love that. And I love uh, how you brought into this new book that you're reading. And I put it on my reading list because actually one of my New Year's as a revolution, resolutions, so I don't call them resolutions. I call them revolutions. Uh, and it really is my New Year's evolution, right? Who do I yeah. want to be? I, I feel like we're always evolving and it doesn't take any subjective date on the on the map uh, on the calendar for us to 
resolve or, or to become anew. I mean, we're becoming anew every second, every minute, every day where we can choose to become anew. Whatever doesn't serve us anymore, we can release and find something new. Though there is something poignant about having a date and a new rotation of, of the calendar. Um, yes. And there's a newness. And we, you know, there's a ritual aspect to that. Uh, you know, throughout time and millennia, humanity has gravitated towards rituals. And really, that's a l- huge basis of religion yes. was something that we could program into our mind, knowing that, oh, at this time of year, uh, this denotes spring, and this is how we celebrate spring, or this denotes a new beginning. Or, or the head of something and, and coming to an awareness. Uh, so we've always gravitated towards that. So my New Year's evolution uh, was actually to read a book a week. And uh, I've evolved that even to share my book a week uh, with my audience and to, um, to share with them the important parts and the salient parts of that book and why it affected me. So I am definitely putting your new book the answer into that list and I'll definitely uh I have a few on the on the roster so once I get to it I'll make sure that you're part of that uh, you're involved in that wonderful book, uh book reading or book it's sort of like an online digital book club that I'd like to start which is which is wonderful and I think it's it it helps people you know have a good end goal even if you do it a chapter you know one or two chapters you know a a week or whatever to accomplish the book. In that way, it's, it's in small, biteable pieces. Sometimes I think book clubs can be overwhelming when they expect you to read the whole book in a period of time and you've got a very full schedule. 100%. So I'm not looking at having everyone read it with me. I'm looking at, for me, my goal is to read the one book a week. Uh, this is my accountability now to my audience and to my community that I'm going to stay true to that book a week by coming and giving them kind of like, do you remember when we were kids, there was the Coles notes? Yes. I don't think we have that anymore. I don't think those exist anymore. Though, how important and impactful do you think it would be for a community of people to not necessarily have this guilt of feeling that they aren't keeping up with their reading and they aren't keeping up with the self-help and they know how important being inspired and motivated, right? Motivation doesn't last. You have to continue it, you know, to zig You have to feed it. You have to keep feeding the motivation (laughs) and the inspiration to keep the fire burning to make you want more. Yeah, I think it was Zig Ziglar who said when he was sort of uh, challenged by saying motivation doesn't last and he said, well, neither does does, uh, cleanliness. That's why we shower every day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly exactly it's so funny because in one of my modalities you know people think it's a one and done and it's it's not like a psychic reading you it's like brushing your teeth you brush your teeth once or twice or three times a day depending upon your you know your level oh, or showers I mean you you know because otherwise what's going to happen you get stinky it comes back so keep doing it so it, you get stronger in the that area Exactly, exactly. And there are little tips for that. I mean, that's why the goal digging, right? The, the goal digging. Accountability is one of those. Uh, putting it out to, the, to your community, letting people know that you're doing this. You can't back out then. And the universe, right? We were talking about those little ideas in the ethers. Mm-hmm. The universe responds to that. When the universe hears someone saying, I am now on pursuit of this. I'm yes. now going towards this. The universe says, okay. Check mark. I'm right. looking for someone who's in pursuit of that. And then the universe conspires. Right? There's something you. called paranoia. We've all heard of paranoia where we think that, the, that people are conspiring against us. There's also pronoia, the belief that the universe is conspiring with you. I love that. I do. Pro-norm, pro norm. Say it again for me. Pronoia. Pronoia. So Say that three times quickly. Yeah, pronoia, pronoia, pronoia. <laughs> pronoia. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to say it the fourth, but <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I just thought of uh, something that's so unrelated, but I was thinking, you know how they put that accent? Pronoia, pronoia, pronoia. 
Oh, it that just would be changes good. it to get make you remember what it is. Yeah, like a like a little Saturday Night Live skit. Do it talking. Pranaya, pranaya. Pranaya, Marla. You believe everything happening for you, Marla. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Yes. But I think you're right, and I it, it, the universe does conspire. But here's here's the caveat. There is a caveat to that, though, right? That if you sit there and say, "I want this," and then you have the voice in your head going, "But I, you know, but it's not going to happen. But I never get what I want. But I, I, you know, then you're going to they're, they're going to listen to that and bring that to you. You've got to change the habit, and it's all about. You know, it's changing the way you think, changing your habit, changing what your belief systems are, and it can be done. And if people remember, fake it till you make it, you will be able to make it and not let those little dark voices really keep you down, hold you down. Yeah. So I love, uh, I, I know fake it till you make it was actually my story. Um, I was a, a painfully shy young girl very very painfully shy and my mother put me into drama thinking that maybe it'll put me out of my shell a little bit when I was around 12 years old and um, and there I learned to put on roles uh, so that I can act these roles and then I realized at that time that I could also put on roles to act very confident and to act um, like I uh, like I'm walk into a room and act as if I'm capable and and confident in that room and self-expressed and and self-confident and that was really fake it till you make it and it it truly worked and it was really uh, life changing for me that fake it till you make it and now I'm in the point of my life where I kind of think like I don't want to fake it till I make it anymore that's not for me anymore now I do align by design. So, uh, you know, we're going to go on a break, but I'm going to want you to, to go. When we come back, let's uh, learn about Align by Design because that's that. an interesting uh, thought. Yeah, I'd love that. Great. Stick around. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. My effing long journey to loving myself, a guide to a shorter path, is an account of Marla Goldberg's transformational journey and a guide to some of the most powerful TTTs or tips, tools, and techniques that she learned along the way. These TTTs taught her how to release anger and learn how to forgive ultimately finding total self-acceptance and self-love. Learn to release anger, frustration, and stress. Learn to forgive others and yourself. Go from self-loathing to self-love. Pick up your copy of Marla's book by visiting marlagoldberg.net. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get ready for High Vibin' It with hosts Lindsay Robinson and Kelsey Aida. This is an all-new look at self-empowerment and lifestyle design. If you're still trying to figure out the law of attraction, spirituality, self-love, and more, we'll break it down for you. You can create the life of your dreams and own your power. Listen for High Vibin' It. We're live every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This will be one hour you will make time for. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Guided Spirit Conversations. To reach Marla Goldberg or her guest today, you're invited to call in to the program at one 888 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
If you'd rather send an email, the address is guidedspiritconversations at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am so excited. We are talking to Marav. I am talking to Marav Richter. And Marav is a best-selling author, inspirational speaker, been a two-time TEDx speaker, a poet, philosopher, comedian, performer, a passionate advocate for giving voice to the voiceless. Uh, let's welcome her back and start pick up where we left off about talking about a line by design. Welcome, Marav. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marlo. And what a great open loop, right? All the best sitcoms and Netflix specials <laughs> always do this. Before we go on break, let's let you know what we're doing in the next segment. <laughs> Perfect example. Great writing. Great, you know, I'll keep it an open loop, Marla. So you're, Thank you. Thank as you always, a great interviewer, as always. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, appreciate that. So Align by Design. Yeah. So as we all heard when uh, it, those of us who were had heard of this thing, Law of Attraction, or The Secret Movie, or, uh, you know, back uh, quite a few years ago, there was this, a lot of this fake it till you make it. And a lot of university studies have actually proven now, and I reference it in my book, Brave Ecstatic Woman, that what happens is, and you were talking about vibrational frequency. So what happens is that when we endeavor to fake it till we make it, and I'm not against that, as I mentioned, when I was a kid, that really helped me to bring out my confidence because I learned how to fake it till you make it. But what happens is that when our conscious mind, when we're trying to program our conscious mind to do something, and at the same time, our subconscious mind, or as you mentioned, John Asraf's book calls it the non-conscious mind, um, isn't vibrating with it or sort of says, like, if you say, I am, you know, I am rich and thin, and the subconscious mind goes, no, you're not. Yes. It actually works against us because what happens is the subconscious mind creates the feeling, and the feeling is that's fake. Mm -hmm. You're a liar. You're not in an authenticity with yourself. You're not aligned. You're not aligned with who you are. And so, in fact, this uh, fake it that we're doing till you make it, can work in many ways. Uh, it can work with the knowledge that you're faking it. I feel like, and I, I wrote this in Brave Ecstatic Woman, I feel like the huge uh, real estate crisis that happened, um, you know, about a decade ago actually was the culmination of a lot of people faking it till they made it or mm -hmm. faking it and under the premise of making it. So they were buying homes because it was on their vision board and going into mortgage debt uh, or mortgage uh, overspending, you know, they were house poor. Right. Because they were trying to keep up with the Joneses, because they had this idea, this consciousness of fake it till you make it. Well, that's a, a consciousness, and it's a conscious way of thought, and it's a new conscious movement. However, in all of these people's subconscious mind, there was a voice that said, you can't afford that. You cannot fake it until you make it with that. So they were buying homes that were way out of their uh, price range, yes. amongst other things, cars and, you know, hair. And I mean, the, the whole lifestyle, the whole, the whole yes. lifestyle of fake it till you make it under the belief that once they were there, somehow the universe would provide for them, which is, there is a truth to, to that. There is a truth to put yourself there and the universe will meet you. However, if your subconscious mind or your non-conscious mind is negating the conscious mind, then that is the feeling that you're attaching. And the feeling is the vibration. The feeling is actually what's attracting from the ethers, from the universe. The feeling is the attraction. The feeling then is you can't afford that. You're faking it. And therefore, now the, the universe is going to provide for you the mirror of that feeling that you're That's faking true. it, that you can't really afford that. that. And I think a lot of people got into a lot of trouble under that mental image of fake it till you make it. Um, and so it's sort of like a Schrodinger's cat. Fake it till you make it is true. And at the same time, it's not true. Uh, it, you have to really know what it is that you're faking till you're making. Uh, so that's why I really go under the 
for myself uh, and and some of my mentors, the mentors that I align with are no BS. They cut through that BS and say, you know, that could be true if if you have a realization of what it is that you're that you're working towards. Uh, there's a university study that actually says that all of those affirmations, let's say, if you don't believe that they're true, they're actually doing worse. You know, they've actually put studies, had people go through functional MRIs to see the vibration in their body, to see what the energy output and had them say things that they knew were not true. And we know that even from the studies of uh, of David Hawkins that wrote Power mm-hmm. Versus Force and then Wayne Dyer who gave some of those examples, you know, that if you try to put your arm outstretched and sit and, and Wayne Dyer even did this in some of his workshops where he would tell the person say something that isn't true, like tell me that your name is John Doe. And the person would tell, say, my name is John Doe, and you could easily bring down the muscles in their hand. Muscle testing. Muscle testing, exactly. Whereas if you said something that's true, no force in the world could bring down the power of your arm. So same thing now if you think of these fake it till you make it or or these visions or, or affirmations that we believe are not true. The power of that of that force is now going to bring you down and it's going to bring the vibration down because your subconscious mind is always listening, always on, it is. on point. Uh, and so that brings me really to a line by design. So now if you think of your vibration, your frequency as a superhighway, and you are driving on the wrong side of the street, what's going to happen? Catastrophe, possibly. Crash and burn. Yeah. Right. Crash and burn. I mean, you might go, if you're on a dark desert highway and there's no one there, you could probably go for maybe a few miles uh, on that, speeding along, thinking, hey, I've got no problem here. There's no force that can work against me. But eventually, not only are you going to crash and burn, here's the other thing. You are not going to see all the signs for the for the let-offs, all the signs for the for the turnpikes that you need to go on. The exits, yeah. Right? Yeah. You are going to be walking down a hallway or driving down a highway that has absolutely no signs for you to to proceed along your path. And how, I mean, just picture vibrationally how fearful, if you're driving alone on a dark, desolate highway at night with no signs along the way, how how desperate you might feel, how how not aligned. And now let's reverse that, that if you know that your destination, your intention is to a city, you know, you're driving from New York to California, and along the way you know that you're driving on the right path, you're going to see the sign that says rest stop along the way because yes. you are going to take some rests along the way. Yes. And you're going to see the sign that's going to say uh, uh, f- refuel because you're going to need to refuel along the way. And you're going to see the sign that says hotel, food, well-being, you know, and you're going to find the people along the way and, and the environment. And you're going to be aligned in your design of where you want to go. That is amazing. That's great. That's a great way of putting it. It's a way I haven't thought about before, but it makes so much sense when you're going through, um, you know, down a road that you're unfamiliar with and there's no lights on and there are no signs. And then you just keep going and end up God knows where. But when you're on the, the right road, with the, you know, it's the signs are lit up. It doesn't make a difference if it's day or night. The signs are lit up, and you know that you could stop and get your needs met, whatever they might be in in life. Um, and you can just pull off and, and get a met and get back on the highway when you're ready. I think that's a beautiful visualization. Yeah, well, thank you. I, it's funny because I think that the new thought movement has really evolved in over the last 20 years. And I know for myself, I feel very fortunate. My mom was my first introduction, my first teacher into uh, all of this sort of spiritual thought, new thought. Um, my mom introduced me to Louise Hay and to affirmations and to Kabbalah and to all of these sort of really outside the box thinking. Uh, I remember even when 
the law of attraction and the secret came out and people were like, oh, have you heard of this thing? I was like, we've been speaking that language for years now. <laughs> um, How and, ahead of the curve you guys were. <laughs> well, yeah. Mm. And I thank my mom for that. Uh, I will also say, and let's give, um, let's align this. My mom also got sick with cancer when uh, she was quite young, when I was 14. And often when we're faced with crisis, uh, that's when we really start to recognize what it is that's important. And that's when we often make the shift. Uh, and my mom did make those shifts and so introduced me to that. But uh, cancer, she did not be cancer. So cancer did I'm sorry take, to hear that. That's, thank you. I, and I appreciate it and I'm honored by that. And it's also okay because my mom actually taught me where consciousness lies. So I was very, very fortunate. And as much as it was hard and I grieved and, and in no way am I belittling a process of grief. And, and of course, she died in 1998. So it, I've had a long time also to be able to, to go through the grieving. So please, I, I don't want anyone to hear this and think that the realizations were in, instantaneous. They were not. Uh, but what she did gift me. So my mom had cancer and it traveled to her brain and she was in surgery to remove the tumor that was sitting in her brain on, on her cortex, on her cerebral cortex. And in fact, the surgery itself was successful. The tumor was successfully removed. However, the space of her brain above the cerebral cortex uh, now being emptied, the universe, uh, the galaxies and the human body cannot like they all abhor a void and they will all fill something into the void and in her case in fact uh the body naturally flooded that area with blood uh and she suffered effectively what was a stroke oh in response to the tumor being removed and she was unconscious or what the doctors and nurses called unconscious for uh, nine months and I always say you know it took her nine months to give me life and it took this nine months of before she died to give me new life uh, because I would sit at her hospital bed for nine months and even though she was nonverbal and in a state of a coma of an unconscious coma she was actually teaching me where consciousness lies and I remember even the first time uh, so because she always read Psalms and she read the affirmations, Louise Hay affirmations, I would sit there and read them to her. And as I would read them to her, at one point, one day, she responded back. And I ran to the nurse's desk and I said, oh, you won't believe this. She's, she's conscious. And the nurses came to check in the room and, you know, sort of looked at me and I could see the pity in their eyes, like, oh, young girl, very hopeful, optimistic girl. She's not conscious, you know, and, and I thought, oh, oh, maybe I, I heard it. I mean, could it be that that I imagined that out of hope? And um, so the nurses left and I sat again and I started reading to my mom. And once again, she answered. And I went, oh, this is, I didn't imagine it. I ran back to the nurse's station. The doctor came in and I could see, I could intuit in their expression that it was sort of like, gosh, the psych wards on another floor <laughs> like maybe we and they took pity on me as a young as a young woman uh and explained to me that you know possibly what we were experiencing was uh that the memory cortex was enacted and so some of the things because she had read them repetitiously that maybe her brain her memory centers were bringing them out and they explained it all to me and I thought, oh, okay, okay, well, that's logical. And um, I guess I imagine things. Um, and I would continue reading them to her. And when she answered back, I would no longer run to the nurse's station or to the doctor's or to the logical. And I just accepted it. And it was really a nine-month mentoring into where consciousness lies. And I know that it was not the memories and it was not a trigger it was she was teaching me and it was my own private lesson in learning where consciousness lives and uh, nine months to give me new life and to give me new consciousness and even when she passed on from this physicality and this body I also knew 
that those nine months that she prepared me to then reach the consciousness of her wherever she left beyond her physicality. And so I was able to have that connection and that communication to her from then on. So while I would have much preferred to be able to sit and have a coffee with her uh, in real life, it was a gift that she gave me that I knew where consciousness lives. And, uh, and now, you know, it's amazing because it brings us to this idea of conscious versus Non-conscious, unconscious, yeah. Right. It's that's a beautiful story. That is truly beautiful. And so, do you so raising consciousness? Um, do you receive messages from your mother? I do. I do. I definitely do. And when I ask for them, uh, I've learned also that over the last uh, twenty years to be less reliant on asking her, because I actually right aligned by design. I actually don't need to ask her anymore. Um, I can, and she's always there for me, as our loved ones are always there for us, and just ask for the signs. But uh, I've learned over the time that it is actually uh, asking her to come into the denseness of this world is actually not a service for her nor for myself. And all of those answers are within. All of them are within. And definitely when I used to ask her for, for advice or to give me, you know, to give me direction or to give me answers, when I think back on them, they were always the answers that I already knew. Like she would give them and I'd go, oh, yeah, I and knew Sometimes that. you need that confirmation. Sometimes, sometimes you, you just need yeah. someone to say, you're on the right track. Keep going. You're, you're there. You're doing it. You're 100% right. And uh, that's what my mentor calls the loving mirrors. And having those loving mirrors in your life uh, really is essential to your growth. So I 100% agree with you. It's not just from within. It is from without. And align your life with those loving mirrors and those people who will say to you, you're on the right track. But the ultimate judge of what those answers are is within. It's true. You know, when we come back, I want to talk about um, the people that are not the loving mirrors and how you deal with them. Oh, great open loop. I love it. Thank you. So we'll be back right after this break. Stay tuned, please. Stick around for this great conversation. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. My effing long journey to loving myself, a guide to a shorter path, is an account of Marla Goldberg's transformational journey and a guide to some of the most powerful TTTs or tips, tools, and techniques that she learned along the way. These TTTs taught her how to release anger and learn how to forgive, ultimately finding total self-acceptance and self-love. Learn to release anger, frustration, and stress. Learn to forgive others and yourself. Go from self-loathing to self-love. Pick up your copy of Marla's book by visiting marlagoldberg.net. Are you aware that each one of us was born with a mission, a sense of purpose, Even if you don't know it yet, it will reveal itself. Pay attention to the clues that will lead you to uncover your mission. Listen to Mission Possible program with host Carol Ann Fernandez. Along with some amazing guests, Carol Ann seeks to help you along the journey to manifest your mission. It's time to unleash your greater potential. Mission Possible program airs live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Guided Spirit Conversations. To reach Marla Goldberg or her guest today, you're invited to call in to the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, the address is guidedspiritconversations at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking around through the show. And if you've just tuned in, my guest today is Marav Richter. And Marav is a best-selling author, inspirational speaker, twice been a TEDx speaker. Uh, she is a poet, philosopher, comedian, performer. She has a pa- she's a passion advocate for giving voice to the voiceless. And but before we bring her on, we're gonna, well, we're going to bring her on, but we're going to hit our charity shout out first and Marav's charity is Open Skies for Autism. Am I saying that correct? Correct. Yeah. Open Skies for Autism. Yeah. Okay. Please share what is Open Skies for Autism and what is, you know, how can we help? Oh, wonderful. Well, thanks, Marla. Yeah, so it's a new initiative. It's actually just in the works and we're uh, just building the framework and all of that, uh, you know, website and all of that because, um, it actually had its inaugural event just this past November, and it was a huge success. And I'll, I'll just tell you how it started. Uh, so my daughter is on the autism spectrum. So we actually were, uh, she had a best friend. My daughter's name is Ella. She had her best friend, Angelica. My daughter was nine at the time, and her best friend, Angelica, was 13. And they used to come home every Thursday to my house for, a, they don't call it a play date anymore. The kids don't call it. They hang out. They don't play date. Okay. They hang out. They came for a hangout. And at the end of the hangout, the mom came and uh, I invited her in as moms do at the end of, you know, picking All their right. kids up at the end. Of, I keep wanting to say play date. I got to stay modern, mom, you know, bite my tongue. Um, so the mom came in and we were having wine and tea and cheese on the table. And uh, they started telling us the story of the first time that they ever tried to fly. And the airport experience was so overwhelming for Angelica that before they could even get on the flight, she ran away at the airport. And of so course, scary. very scary for the mom, exactly, for both the child yeah. and the mom, for Angelica and her mom. Uh, the airport was shut down uh, with a missing child alert and the police had to get involved and people had to go find her. And it was so overwhelming for Angelica. And so, so overwhelming and worrisome for her mom that they both vowed that they will never travel and they, they gave up that flight and they never tried to travel ever again. And uh, my daughter responded with, you know, my daughter having grown up with a mom who's in the airline said, well, you should have my mom take you. And Angelica turned to me bright-eyed and would you, could you, I mean, could you, if, if you take me, I will go with you. And the mom also sort of said like, yes, that would be fantastic. And in my mind, I started thinking, well, yeah, I could arrange to take her on a short flight. And, and as I was thinking of the ways that I could make it happen, Angelica said, and do you promise that the plane will never take off? And I went, oh, ooh, okay, challenge accepted. <laughs> and so I started to reverse engineer this impossible goal, right? I had no possibility, possible way of knowing how to make this happen. But I had a vision and I brought it out to just the right people. And we, in fact, had our inaugural uh, flight without ever leaving the ground uh, where the kids came to the airport, went, got their boarding pass, went through security, got on the plane and the plane just taxied around the airport. So just drove around the airport without flying. And the kids had all the experiences of a flight without ever leaving the ground. And it was so impactful and really revolutionary for so many of these families who really thought that they would never have an opportunity to experience flight with their child because it was so overwhelming. And now so many of these families wrote me back afterwards to let me know that their child has now gone on their first vacation or gone to visit their family or their grandparents for the first time ever. And it was life-changing. It was game-changing 
for a lot of these families. And so now I have endeavored and my vision expanded uh, that now it's going to continue. And my hope is that it's going to be in every major city in uh, going international by 2030. So that's my, my charity that I've created. That's an amazing charity. And I have to tell you, the ingenuity to look at something that hasn't been um, done before, because this is something that nobody's ever done. And it's amazing because it's really giving these children and the parents and the families opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have. It's just so beautiful. And as we know, some of these children are so uber sensitive that just the sense, you know, just all the, the people talking at them, looking at them is enough. They could just set them off. So it desensitizes them. Yeah, so just to give people an understanding, I mean, um, my true belief is that we're all actually, uh, we are all on the autism spectrum, especially us highly sensitive people, uh, without even being clinically diagnosed. I feel like um, really what we've done is created a world where most of us, what we will say as neurotypicals or people who aren't diagnosed, you know, and just run through the world, have become numb to it. But people who are highly sensitive or on the autism spectrum, uh, going through something like an airport or day-to-day life can be like Las Vegas. I mean, it's the bright lights and the sounds and the hum of the lights and the people. And the din, and, yes. And we can just imagine, imagine if you were put in, in a, you know, you know those fun house, um, sort of fun the house. mazes, those fun mazes, house mazes. Right, exactly. Where yeah. the ground is shaking and the lights are blaring and there's, uh, you know, the fun house mirrors and noise now imagine going through life constantly through a funhouse mirror because everything i can imagine your nerves are always on edge right they're always just wrong sensitive exactly and and if we really have compassion and empathy and sympathy we can then understand really we've built this world so how to look like that funhouse mirror i mean it's so far from what nature provides us um and we created that so really, it's, it's a whole wave. You know, today, one in 59 children are diagnosed with autism. That's one incredible. in 59. So, I mean, we're really looking at, at this point, it's epidemic numbers. If we had anything else that was one in 59, we would be declaring a state of emergency right. and changing the way that we, that we do things. Um, but one in 59 children are, are on the autism spectrum. And so we really have to take a look at what, what it is that we're doing uh, and how it is that we can provide those kids, and often they don't have a voice. That's why I, I uh, am a passionate advocate for giving voice to the voiceless, because we are giving the voice to these kids that just wouldn't be able to have that opportunity otherwise. So how do people get a hold of your, your charity, your not-for-profit? Yeah, thanks. So as I said, we're uh, looking, we're just actually in the process now of putting the team together for uh, all of those administrative processes. For the time being, I created a Facebook group called Open Skies for Autism. It's actually, I'm in Canada, so for now it's Open Skies for Autism Canada. Uh, And so please join that group and I'll be able to give a lot more information as we come. Uh, And please reach out to me and let me know if you'd like your city to host, to have this uh, initiative. I am happy to start to uh, communicate that and put those things in place. I'm launching into uh, twice a year in many of the cities and and then, as I said, ongoing into international. So I have Where do they reach vision. out to you at, Marav? So actually, Open Skies for Autism-Canada on Facebook is a great group resource. Of course, you can always email me also at marav at maravrichter.com. I'm happy to uh, always get feedback there as well. And Marav is spelled M-E-R-A-V, and Richter is R-I-C-H-T-E-R. Correct. Dot com. Yeah. So it's it's I think it's a wonderful initiative that you've started, and it's so like outside of the box for for the average individual. I know because you have spectrum children. You know, your daughter has on the spectrum, and her friends that it's more in your life than people who don't. But it's just, I don't know if people really think about children traveling unless they have to travel or until the point where they have to get on that plane, train, even an elevator can be overwhelming to a child on the spectrum. Definitely. 
So it's great. Okay, but I want to go back to, we talked about the loving people who are mirrors for us. How do you deal with the loving pe- the people who aren't so loving who are mirrors for us? I love this question, Marla. And I'll tell you why I love it. I, I mentioned before, I love mentors who cut out the BS. Mm-hmm. And I think that in a lot of people in that law of attraction, spiritual, personal development community don't want to look at that because they say, well, that's, you know, let's look only at the positive. Let's look only at, um, you know, let's ignore anything that is negative uh, so that we don't kind of dull my vibe. Dull my vibe, man. That's, that's bringing <laughs> my vibe down. Um, and I think that that's also not looking at reality. It's kind of like that whole fake it till you make it conversation we had. It's not looking at the reality that there are sometimes, there are sometimes people who want to bring you down from your success or who do not align or who are jealous or who want to compete with you or um, will copy you or, I mean, this is just the reality. And I think also that is also one of the biggest inhibitors to success that people start thinking, gosh, I don't want to become successful because I don't want someone to copy me. I don't want to become successful because I don't want people to be jealous of me or to try to bring me down. And it is 100% true that there will be people who will try to bring you down. The bigger, the more successful, your success rubs their comfort in the wrong way. Yes. That's such a great way of putting it. It's true. Yeah. So how do you deal with it? So, you know, there's only one way to deal with uh, a negative force or negative influence and that's add more positive force or positive influence in your life. So as you start to butt, abut against the, the circumference of their comfort zone or of your own comfort zone where they're used to you, mm-hmm. you have to bring in more people that are outside of that comfort zone. So expand that comfort zone and bring more people to be on the outer edges of that comfort zone so you can see where it is that you're going. That's be- that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And Murav, I've got to wind up the show, but it has gone so quickly. I just love our conversations. As do I. There's, there's, there's so much meat in it. And I thank you so much for being here. And for everybody out there, please reach out to check out Marav at MaravRichter.com. Did I say that correctly? Correct. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Thank you very much. I want to thank Voice America, everybody there who helps me get the show up and running and make it sound so great. Thank you. So grateful for you. I want to say thank you to Teresa Scott Reed, my assistant, my right hand, my left hand. I don't know where I'd be without you. And I want to thank most of all you, the listener. I am so eternally grateful for you taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. I hope that in some way, shape, or form, you have received some inspiration, motivation, or tools, tips, techniques that will help you enhance, tweak, or shift your life, whatever you feel it needs to be. Um, I look forward to being with us next week for our next show, which is going to be wonderful. And till then, I'm just going to send you love, blessings, and gratitude. Thank you so much for participating with me. 